We're good. Who done the intro last time? I don't know. Rock, paper, scissors. One, two, three. Oh, that means you then. <laughs> no, I'm the winner. Hey guys, welcome to another Health Unplugged series podcast show thing. Uh, what did we talk about last week? I haven't a clue. We talked about health last week for a change. Um, I think we were talking about routines and everything like that. But routines, this week, principles, routines, something yeah, along those lines. Some, something like that. But it, it became very kind of like we just. I just had my adjustment, and we were talking about what topic should we go on. And we um, both being well, I'm a fan of a real football team, and you're a Spurs fan. So um, and. So for Africa on in the well, Euros. We, at least we keep it current because we, we're going to talk about the topic of the moment with Euros on yeah. Ben Eriksson, who's, uh, um, who's a fantastic well, he, he ser- was servant awesome of the Spurs. He's so. seven years there? Yeah. Yeah. So, But we, we um, said it was quite obvious the discussion that we wanted to chat about, as in what happened, if any of you um, don't know what we're talking about, with Christian Eriksson, a footballer for Denmark. He It was a cardiac arrest heart yeah. attack he had, wasn't it? Yeah. On, on the field so perfectly seemingly healthy person suddenly collapsed on the field and at one point he was he was actually dead like they had to bring yeah, him back yeah they did active uh, CPR and, um, and defibrillator and the whole yeah. the whole bench and I was actually I, I was quite distressed like watching it thinking like I'm 35 this guy's in I didn't know exact age but late late 20s and like all of a sudden he's just there one minute and the next minute his whole team were around him crying and everything like that and we were saying about there's a difference between health and fitness. Yeah. And like with performance is different in different aspects and uh, that just because someone on the outside looks fit and healthy, there are other things going on. And that this just shows us that we can build foundations better, like but, just in case all the time, but yeah, also the, like professional sportsmen, like there are things that can still go with them. Yeah, and what I looked at after the obviously the event and when you break it down and looking at it from a more medical health perspective is is that that classic element of what is health, what is fitness, and what is sickness? Mm. Because if you looked at in Ericsson's situation when he, he was lining up and he was then you know they sing the national anthem, you would say that he he and his fellow um, footballers are the epitome of fitness. Yeah. Um, some might even say that they are all would be healthy because the modern day athlete is monitored and the the food the days of of George Best and the likes are are pretty much behind us in professional athletes. So you would you would be expecting that he would be fit and healthy. Yet forty you said what forty minutes or so into the game forty minutes in that whole that whole picture changes. Yeah. Because now you would say that. Um, how healthy or how fit would someone like that be because he's had a cardiac arrest. Yet, all the tests, etc., don't necessarily highlight a major issue. So there's all about the nerve conduction element of the heart. and So there's a whole medical consideration. It reminds me when I was a student, we used to, in South Africa, there's an um, ultra marathon called the Comrades Marathon. So it's a double marathon. And... Uh, it run it goes from uh, Maritzburg to Durban and vice versa each year. But our college used to do an icing station, and we were used to always be probably about three three or four miles outside the finish. 
So all the top professional uh, athletes would come flying by. And as you started getting into the top amateurs, more would be stopping and getting iced. And they, their goal was just to finish. They were nearly the end of you know a double marathon. And I remember seeing one of the top, top um, semi-professionals go through. And then later on, I, at the finish, you go in and there's a tented area. And he was sitting with some other athletes, having a beer and having a couple of cigarettes. And you're sitting there going, it was my first question. I was like, here's the epitome of performance and fitness. And yet he's sitting there drinking and smoking. And it was the, it was, it just seemed out of place. Mm -hmm. So it always bows the question of what does sickness look like? What does health look like? And what does fitness look like? Because they don't always necessarily match. And they don't even match when it comes to different sports. Because like, if I look at sports specific, like we get into specificity and I come from my bodybuilding background of previously competing in bodybuilding and you saw me like I've been like, coming here, well not here, like coming to see you since just after my first show since like 2008. Yeah, I mean, so I'd competed like multiple times when I've seen you and you've seen me a week before a show and that was not healthy. No. The overtraining aspect, pushing your body to those single-digit body fat levels, and like being to the extremes. But sports-specific for bodybuilding, I was fit. Yeah, but I wasn't healthy. And it's the same with football. There's like their specific specificity. Can't say it. It's done well. It's a Friday. Um, their specificity, their special training aspects are for football. So they're not going to be there for ultramarathons. Yeah. I suppose it's a bit like a Formula One racing car is put together to be performance-based for a short space of time at the peak. But if you judge it only on that element, it's absolutely an, a marvel machine. But it can't go off-road. Yeah, exactly. So the more specialized you can't become... Can't even go over the curbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The more specialized they become, um, the less all-round healthy they are. Yeah. and then So we see, that, we see that in the general public because also... These days, um, you know, the smoker, for understandable reasons, is public enemy number one. But we're not very comfortable. So we are comfortable in a group to say to someone, why do you smoke? It's, it's such an unhealthy thing. It's not, you know, and, and, and it's easy to, to say that. But no one turns around and says, do you really need that dessert? Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, you know the sugar in there. I don't know if you should be doing that. We, we, we're very easy to... to um, Put an image, an idea of what is healthy and unhealthy. But then, when you look at someone like um, Ericsson, and there's been other other footballers of saving, um, Fabrice Moamba, Moamba, and you look at them and say, well, they, 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 where does the draw the line between what is performance, what is fitness, what is health? And I think, and then people people have a misconception. Then the insurance industry is classic with that of rating someone on their BMI. Which, which then says, this is judging you whether you fall into a healthy or unhealthy category. And it's like there's so many variables which determine our health. That there is how do health. we, how, what does that look like? So it always interests me of, of what people's perception of what is healthy and what is fitness and what is sickness because it can change so quickly. So, the, you know, when Ericsson was lining up and singing the national anthem, was he then healthy and then suddenly that's changed or was there a ticking time but you know these all these all these conundrums so I, I've always just found that very interesting I think you can see a lot in footballers as well with hamstring tears 
like there isn't that one sprint that tears the hamstring there's micro tears that the body hasn't yeah. recovered from and the biomechanical aspect like it happens a lot and i would argue there's quite a lot of imbalances between quads and hamstrings when the kicking process and obviously the stabilization process but or breaks and things like that usually there's something else going on which has weakened the muscle or weakened the bone that it isn't that one tackle that just breaks it it's already a weakened bone beforehand yeah and like it's finding those like how do we even find those weaknesses before they become unfixable i think that's the key you've got to look at the functionality yep you've got to look at then functional testing is all about that there's there's other indicators and markers grip strength is is a very good one for um overall health and fitness Uh, and the other one is pace of walking we know as we get older the ones ones or researchers suggested those who start walking slower and and less steady uh, on their feet are the ones are predicted to have potentially more risk of higher, you know, cognitive decline, um, Alzheimer's, and that there's a, there's a very much of a predictor. So, um, yeah, keep your keep your grip strength strong and keep yeah. walking quickly. Yeah. But um, there are there are indicators of, of functional well, like, subtle functional changes which happen way before you get a, a symptom, because the symptom is really only when the body is getting to a, a situation where um an alarm bell is going but symptoms can come off like in erican's case can come off instantly they don't smolder necessarily for years or we don't listen to them or we see symptoms as normal yeah or we or, what about or waking, we numb waking during the night we just numb them and so waking on. during the night is a symptom of overstress of something else going on yeah, yeah whether that is blood glucose whether it's something going on with the liver or whatever it is but we see it as normal because so many people wake, wake during the night to go to the toilet. Oh, I just had too much to drink or so on. But just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. And it's a symptom of something else going on. And particularly if it's not normal for you. So there's a change. There, there's actually a topic. I've written a post that I might put out tomorrow or Monday. I started doing some more of that writing stuff. I thought I've written a book, so I better keep writing. Um, and it was talking about bloating. I saw there was an influencer... Um, I think she had about 150,000 followers on Instagram and she put a post up about like, this is me before breakfast. This is me after breakfast every day. And she was looked about six months pregnant and it's fair enough. Like this is not to demonize people that are bloated because it can be very stressful and it's not to say you should be ashamed of it. But she said bloating is normal. It's not normal. It's a reaction from the body because something isn't working right. It's a symptom. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. chances are, if you're bloated, then you get angry, and, anxious. And then also, I would presume, in summary, something like that, other people then would comment, oh, I have that issue as well, yeah. and I do that. And so it becomes normalized. It's, it's normalized because of this influence. That other and people that frustrates me a lot with a lot of... There's some that are absolutely amazing about making awareness of it. But to normalize that is a very serious thing. And it, I think she said something like, every time I have oats in the morning, I have a bloat. Well, maybe you should stop eating oats in the morning. Have a look at something yeah, different. Yeah, and that's the hard thing, isn't it? Because um, ideally, you want people to become more connected with the, the subtleties of what the, the feedback the body's giving and saying, oh, actually, I notice that when I eat X, Y, Z, I feel stronger, I feel more awake, I don't have bloat in that. And then it's interesting when I have this, I do, I feel sluggish in that. And um, it's like if you're driving your car and you put the wrong fuel in, you'd notice the car would be 
you know, sluggish and that, and you, you people would research that far more. Like, why did that happen? Or maybe I've got to use this petrol, but they don't do it with their bodies or their no. cells. They just go, oh, well, that's okay. So-and-so does that as well. Or worse is I take this um, potion, lotion, remedy, which just which just covers it up and off I can go. It's kind no, of got I've got eczema, so as long as, I, as long as my skin's erupting, but as long as I put this cream on every day, then it's okay. And it's like, okay, well, that's great that you get the relief from What's it. What's causing it? But why are you not really treating the cause? Or, or why is that happening? And it's like, I don't know. It's one of those things. Just, uh, my big thing my is genetics. the autoimmune. There's a lot of people where they have symptoms of autoimmune and it's described as, um, well, it's just the body. Uh, for some reason, it just like, it, it, it turns on itself and all sorts. But um, we, th- that's what it is. And people stop it's there the and they go, medicine side of that's, that's what it is. But no, but no one's explained to you why that's happening. It's one of those things, but I've taken this medication and that, that's helping. And you, a lot of the times it's either a steroid medication or it's an immune suppressant. So it's like we're just dumbing down the immune system and no one's saying, well, hang on. The immune system is designed to protect us. Why would the immune system turn on itself? And when you look at the gut and you understand you know, immunology a little bit, you think you go, hang system. on, yeah. there's a reason why that's happening. But, but we don't invest time. One People of, choose a new car and investigate a new car or a new set of golf clubs far more than actually understanding the subtleties of what the body's doing. One of the them. frustrations that I see with that with modern medicine, and as like modern medicine is absolutely needed, like the full Western medicine approach where we have an emergency system and stuff. There's times when you break a leg, you want modern medicine. You've got an autoimmune condition and you're taking a medication which numbs those symptoms. It stops us seeing what the body is telling us is going on. Therefore, like on the surface, this is one of the things that I'm not, this is not going to be what has happened to Eric's and I don't know any of it, but on the surface, it feels absolutely fine. But there's all this stuff brewing. It's, it's like, you know, when you get the iceberg, yeah, bottle, yeah, there's it's all the this stuff underneath effects. that is going on that we're not seeing this reaction, which gives us a chance to change. And that then gets worse and worse and worse. And I believe that like where there's a little bit of failure, in certain systems is that we wait until tissue is damaged so much it's beyond repair rather than fixing like i believe like is it like there's signs of alzheimer's 10 years before like we we can actually like we can pick it up there's different and you can look at it and um it's similar to like uh, we've spoken about a couple of injuries that i've had that we have to wait until you physically can't move before they'll operate on it when it could be like obviously that's more of a physical bone degeneration i have like um, with my central or well, one of my nerve roots as we spoke about but you wait until it's completely screwed before we do something about it yeah but it's not even medicine per se it's it, the, the overall the healthcare yeah because you have the same principle being applied these days in uh, so-called alternative therapies and remedies and natural medicine and mm-hmm. that they all still very much chasing symptoms those kind of things which suppress and make things more comfortable in many ways are needed but they but we shouldn't stop there we say right at the moment we need to calm down the crisis and then we need to go on this on this time this journey of understanding why that that's not necessarily going to happen overnight so i think we miss we miss both sides we we tend to get the relief and get the benefit of as long as i take a an antacid tape every every day and then i don't get my heartburn i'm okay well so well that at that time don't write a food diary. You want to get comfortable and get that, you know, that settled. 
But now go now on the journey because it might actually be that you're not producing enough acid rather than too much or it might be too much or it might be your food stuff. And have you considered this? Well, this, I don't know. And people are too passive in that they get the relief and they go, well, as long as I keep doing that, then I can then I can function. Yeah. But they they we can they, do a whole show we, on stomach acid. Yeah, yeah. But we need actually both systems. We need the crisis care, but we don't want to stay stuck just yeah. on the crisis it's care. It's easy all the time. to stay on the crisis care. It, it's I, I describe it as you've got a headache, but you have paracetamol when it's dehydration. Eventually, that paracetamol is going to wear off, and you still haven't had a drink of water. Now, it's such a severe headache. You're so dehydrated that. You just don't want that ringing in your head. So you have that paracetamol, but you just want to drink for that, what is it, four hours of half-life of paracetamol, something like that. Like, I don't know if it is, it's four hours. It's around like every four hours you can take a certain amount. Yeah. You want to drink your, like, however much water you need at that time. So when that paracetamol does wear off, you're not going to have the headache because you're rehydrated. And I think that... Yeah, if you've solved the underlying cause, you wouldn't need to be going back for the... Yeah, for the it's the same with eczema and stuff like that. Like, your skin conditions, like psoriasis like like acne and things like that that yes creams are absolutely going to help people but if it's your gut health which are causing the reaction to then like you're not getting the nutrients out you're not degrading the proteins enough or um you're having tox you, you can't detoxify very well then the cream's good but, but <laughs> when we stop that cream it's just that, going to come back but that takes us back down to the underlying original training and thought process because there's there is a lot of professionals um medical and also non-medical who who don't have that level of understanding and looking at i mean i've had i've had family member with with SIBO and and you know gut bacterial imbalance and spoken to gastroenterologists and said oh i don't really know much about that um we'll try this medication that and see how that goes it's it, it was a We'll try this, try this, and they were just really looking at symptoms. I've had that and, because that's their training. Time. They don't look at that. They're not even looking at that functional element of it. That's not on their radar because it's not their training. So it's not a, it's not a fault of theirs because they're not trained they're to do taught. that. That, that is how they're taught. But it's a fault that, in the system. Exactly, and that's the that's the difference. And what's happening more and more, I think, is people are becoming ideally more educated, or they have access to more information, and they need to become more empowered to actually ask why is this happening. And and you 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 work with a professional as for their opinion and their feedback. You're not passive in saying I'll just do whatever you say because then you just you will just get stuck on one a one track pony. And not every, not any one profession or one person has got all the, the solutions. I think that that's very. I've had a client that um, has been dealing with Lyme's disease and um, or Lyme disease, and I'm working with with one of my mentors with him, and uh, he spent seventy five thousand dollars on um, testing last year alone. Seventy five thousand dollars, and you get in different opinions come in and everything like that. And then there was about 80 different supplements. The problem is a lot of those supplements cross-react and suppress his immune system in the wrong way even more um, because we're seeing so much information as well. Yeah. So what information is the right information? And then someone someone commented on Facebook today that just have your ketones. <laughs> well, that's, and that's the other thing is that we then look for the one thing. 
Yeah. We look for the one thing. So, so a lot so more than one thing. The classic functional approach of, of that, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day with it, and, and all of them, whether it the, doesn't matter whether they're talking along the line of headaches or menstrual cycle or uh, performance or sleep patterns, the vast majority, the starting point is gut because that is that is the uh, the, the basis of everything. Up, yeah. And if you not haven't got control over that, then that's that's um, you you are very often going to be throwing either a lot of testing or looking at very specifics. Um, you know, look at the basics first. I think like there's four things I look at um, with any client building these foundations, and it's waking and sleeping at the same times consistently, not having your Monday to Friday sleep and then your weekend sleep. So sleep consistently, blood glucose management. Um, looking at your gut microbiome. Yep. And I've forgotten the fourth one. <laughs> uh, looking at your gut microbiome and then just looking at your overall stresses. Are you doing too much exercise? Like getting that movement in, but not overstressing yourself. Um, well, there we got it. We, we, could add, we could add supplements and stuff to it, but so many people like, want to spend so much on supplements that we build those foundations, right? Uh, just had the conversation with Rachel here is that so many people want to get the best appliances for their kitchen. They want to decorate their living room, get the most comfiest mattress before they're focused on the foundations. Yeah, yeah. Which is all good until a storm comes along but and also the storm blows it down. You remind me of that the whole thing is you can't outrun a bad diet, but you also you can't out-supplement a bad diet. The supplement is you supplement what you can't get or your body can't physiologically You can run yourself process. into bad health though. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge. And, and you can supplement yourself into bad health. Yeah. And I think that's definitely that's like because it's so called it. natural, and we bought it from a from a, a food shop or that. Then I've got lots of patients who are taking lots of different supplements because they read an article and that, and and actually what they could be doing is throwing out their whole physiology, and then we do create um, different I, I do different immune clients. responses. Like I say, what supplements are you taking and why for yeah, each yeah. one? Yeah, the amount of times. Like, what is your understanding know, of yeah, this? Like, is, why what is the benefit? Magnesium. Why are you taking vitamin D and C and things like that? Um, and a lot of times it's just, I read this article uh, rather than being able to look deeper into it. And I think like, I suppose that that's where it comes a responsibility for us to put content out as well, which will help people, yeah. but also know that content cannot be like just a blanket, like advice for everyone. We have to also be able to give some individual advice. So whilst even on stuff we say here in the podcast that we can't say, take this vitamin, take that vitamin, this supplement, that supplement is that everyone in an individual basis like someone could take vitamin d and it'd be bad for them that's Most why people won't. that's why for me my initial consultation or my or my first two appointments are the most important appointments in our in our um center because yeah. they form the platform of what's needed what's the goal where we're going rather and that and individually individually for that person yeah and i look at that with the screening process like there's four deep questionnaires and someone said to me like why do you need all this information like I want the complete picture. But there'll be questions I ask through the process and as we go through, but um, someone said to me today, she signed up, um, her and her husband signed up actually, it was good. Uh, I got a piano teacher out of it. So we've done a bit of a, a deal, but um, yeah, I wanted a piano oh, teacher. Well, we're gonna have unplugged, un we're gonna have unplugged music intro. Give, give it a couple of months. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was looking actually last week for a piano teacher and then someone messaged me about coaching. So I'm like, well, I can charge you this, but I want piano lessons as well. Anyway, uh, she was saying she'd been working with a functional medicine practitioner for about seven years. 
And she said, what information do you want me to get? I said, let's get it all. Because that I won't necessarily look at everything until this comes up or that comes up. I'll look at it, like browse over it and see like different symptoms. But if a question comes up, in the future, something going. All the information's there. Yeah, yeah. And you I don't want need the to, complete picture. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, or you might highlight different things. We don't know everything. Exactly. Speaking of not knowing everything, I've got to get back. This to is Euro Euro twenty twenty played in twenty twenty one. A year before the twenty twenty two World Cup. This is pre recorded, so we're going to um, test our, uh, our our football skills or pundits. Because tonight, well, in in not too long, um, England take on Scotland Scot- at Wembley, I think it is. England it? take on Scott McTominay. And uh, so we're going to finish off with a prediction, future. I'm going to predict the ball to come in, Gaza to flick it over the head <laughs> in the corner. Uh, someone said about that, actually. Um, I, I, my gut feel, I think England will be too I think, strong. I think it'll I be 2-0. Think- Actually, I think I think, actually, I th- I I think, think Scotland gonna, will score. I think it's going to be 2-1. Two, 2-1 two, will be the modest. I'm going to go for a nice 3-1 England with, with Scotland to score first. I miss the days of Beckham and Lampard and Gerrard. They, the golden age is gone. This is now the new kids on the block. Yeah, I've just ordered a Beckham shirt, by the way. Like my, Are my you going to peroxide your hair? Like, um, I'm going to pay £400 for a skin, hair, skin cut. Right, um, so anyway. we'll, see, we'll see if our predictions are right. And, uh, so what was yours? Three, three, one. one. I'm, I'm confident that England are going to be too strong. We shall see. Right, have a great time. Thanks for joining us as always. And uh, as always, look forward to your feedback of what is health, what is fitness, what is sickness. Take care. Have a great great evening. See you then.